whether it's the international best-selling author of Rich Dad Poor Dad or the co-founder of Match.com or the host of the MSNBC show, Your Business, they all have one thing in common. They are some of the many guests that want you to reach the finish line. Your host is Callan Diggs. Welcome. And welcome. Today, I am delighted to have back on Kamanzi Constable. Kamanzi Constable started as a self-published author, uh, has gone on to, uh, uh, to write more books for traditional publishers, and today has sold over 100,000 copies. He writes for publications like The Huffington Post, Entrepreneur Magazine, Axemen, and Success Magazine. Kamanzi, welcome back. Callan, thank you for having me. I'm happy to have you back on. And um, for people who don't, people, uh, if this is your first time here, Kamanzi, again, I would advise you to check out episode four. That was more of a kind of a personal ragged virtue story. This episode, we're going to kind of go into like the heart because we're both lifestyle uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, Kamanzi has been uh, very instrumental in helping me uh, find more success in my journey um, as a entrepreneur. So I want to get into that. Just from a practical side of things with doing interviews is it's a little bit of a harder way to build a following. And the reason being is because think about where most people are listening to this right now. Most people are probably listening to this in their car, at the gym, on a walk. They're listening to it on a smartphone and they're listening to it mobily. So for the people that really want to, that are interested in me, They'll come back home and they'll try to remember that Kwanzi Kwanzaa, like whatever <laughs> weird guy's name is. Right? I'm gonna go, I have to go Google that weird guy, and they're gonna check me out. But the majority of people are probably not. And when you, the difference with the writing is when somebody's digging your writing, they like what 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 they're reading. It's only all they have to do is click on a link and they're back on your website and they're signed up for your email list. It's one click. So that's that's the harder part of doing interviews is that most people are mobile and they are not going to go check out the show notes and they're not going to go check out your stuff. Well, that's why I'm such a fan of, if you can do it, writing. Writing in a lot of different places to get that exposure. You can write for some of the sites that Callan and I write for, some of the largest sites in the world. You could write for some medium-sized blog that Callan and I have never heard of, but it's perfect for what you do. Right, it's about finding that place where you can get exposed to the audience of people who are interested in what you are putting out, and when you give them something good, they're gonna click back and they're gonna check out what you do and they're gonna get involved in your world. So that's um, and there's many opportunities. There's many billions of websites. Right, there's the largest sites in the world that get millions upon millions, literally millions of visitors, um, and you have the chance just to write something and get it featured. And here's the thing. I, I already know what a lot of people are, or, or some people are thinking that listen to this, Callan. You know what they're thinking? Mm-hmm. What? I'm not a writer. I'm yeah, not. yeah. What? How many times have you heard that, Callan? Oh, I've heard a lot. <laughs> I'm not a writer. Who's a writer? <laughs> yeah. Who's a writer? Absolutely. It's just like, it's just like, it's just like who's an actor? Who's a yeah. who's, who's a who's a singer? Like you, people like it's not it's not always people are naturally born with these abilities. Sometimes people it takes the time from discovering themselves. Exactly, 
And if you're not a writer, can you speak? Well, if you can speak, there's a lot of talk to text programs where you can just speak into your computer and it will type it out for you. You, get, you go through and you clean up anything that doesn't look good and there you go, you just became a writer. <laughs> so being a writer is not about fancy words on a, on a laptop or a piece of paper. Being a writer is about expressing the idea. If you can express the idea in any form, verbal or written, if you can express the idea, you are a writer. And that's what people are looking for. So what, what do you want to talk about? Maybe you want to talk about marriage. Maybe you want to talk about divorce. Maybe you want to talk about fitness, whatever it is. What is that idea that you want to express? Tell me. Tell me what's in your head. Tell me the thought process behind this. And if you can do that, then you're a writer. And then once you figure that out, it's a matter of going and figuring where does this message best fit? Does it fit on the Huffington Post? Does it fit on entrepreneur.com? Does it fit on success? Does it fit on Jerry's blog? I don't know where it fits, but that's up for you, for you to go and figure out where that message fits to get the exposure to that audience and start building your own. That's a very great point. Um, and that's something that, um, I think that was I think that was one of the things you said. I think it was like a, a, a yeah, it was, a, it was a video you did like the beginning of last year that really clicked. You know, that really that really kind of you know set a light bulb. And it's one thing to write for a huge website, but at the same time, if it doesn't connect with your message, then it's pointless because people can't relate to that. And that was one thing that uh, I finally that's one thing that you know I, I arrived to and had to definitely uh, you know adjust my strategy. You know, and, and if there is a publication that is big and you have the opportunity for it, well you have to learn how to adjust it so you connect with their audience because obviously that's how people if they like what you write and if it's relevant, you know, then they're going to click back to your website or to see uh, what else that you're offering. Uh, there's two publications that you write for. Uh, very interesting. Uh, I, I, uh, well, I find them both interesting, but I'm quite sure the listeners will find maybe either or both. Uh, one is X-Men and the other is Success Magazine. Now, X-Men, I would assume, you correct me if I'm wrong, it's more so like, you know, obviously sort of like the Goodman Project, men's issues, you know, probably more like relationship issues, things of that. And then Success Magazine is more business-like. Now, um, what was, I mean, of course, we don't have time for you to go into the exact details, but what was the uh, general game plan to getting into that? Or was it to where they said, yeah, hey, Kamazi, can you write for us? What was that process? No, it's, it's a matter of going to, just like any other publication, it's a matter of figuring out what's the best type of content they respond to, mm -hmm. what, what does their audience really like. And then just pitching some of the editors there. That's it's a very simple process. The hardest part is figuring out, okay, what it what am I going to pitch? Mm -hmm. And you have to take some time on the site. You have to get a really good feel for it. You have to understand the content, the way that it's written, and the style. Mm -hmm. And then pitching and then pitching one of the editors directly. And if you can do that, you, you can definitely get in. Asmen is nice because Asmen is one that actually pays for articles. They'll pay you to write for them. So that's, that's a very cool feature. Success is nice because it's, it's a name that's been around for, I don't know how many years, but it's been around for a lot of years. Oh, right? long time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's just a really good powerhouse name. And so, yeah, both of those have been, have been really good for my business. Yeah, that's a good point <clears throat> because um... – now, now, what do you think about this, Kamanzi? Because there's a lot of hoopla, and I think you had, maybe it was like a year ago, you talked about this in a video, or it was an article, I'm not sure what it was. 
But uh, lots of people, and you know, also to uh, I, uh, I, I do I, I do some editing for uh, the Goodman Project, and uh, lots of people, especially I mean, I've always known about this, but I get more of it now. I guess as I'm an editor, is oh, like the, the, I guess writers are devaluing their work because they're not getting paid for it. You know, perhaps you could flush that out. What do you think about that, Kamanzi? I mean, for me, you know, I think it's, you know, is in a way I see it's like, well, it's like an internship in a way. You know, you got to start somewhere. You know, if you, if you go to college, you know, you're doing an internship. Basically, you're typically working for free or you're working for college credit, but you're not getting paid. But typically, you can use that experience to get bigger opportunities. But, the, the, but people always have this argument, oh, well, it doesn't matter. People should get paid for their work because when it's free work, it loses its value. What do you think about that, Kamazi? I think it's a limiting mindset. And I'm not taking a shot at anybody, but I think it's a limiting mindset. Um, because you, like you said, with internships and there's apprenticeships and there's a lot of different situations where you don't get paid, but you're getting knowledge that you can leverage. I also edited at the Goodman Project for almost a year, and I saw things. I saw I saw how the Goodman Project worked with their media partners. I saw the articles that did the best and that got the highest numbers, and what was the formula for that. I saw I saw how people pitch poorly, how they pitch a public picture poorly, and how they pitch, and the people that pitched well. I saw all of these things. This education that I got for almost a year. And no, I didn't get paid for it, but it was an education now I've leveraged in so many different ways. Now I can tell people with authority, like if you're pitching a publication, this is what you're doing wrong. How do I know? Because I was an editor at a publication. When I'm looking for some bigger opportunities like consulting at a company or speaking. I have that on my resume that I was an editor here at this publication and I understand the mechanics behind this. Start with a free audiobook. Go to reachingthefinishline.com and scroll to the bottom of the page to click on the Audible banner to get your free audiobook. You may not have a lot of free time, but you can definitely listen to a book on a plane, on the bus, or even while you're driving. Go to reachingthefinishline.com and scroll to the bottom of the page to click on the Audible banner to get your free audiobook. Start reaching the finish line with your free audiobook. And it's allowed me to get higher, you know, the 20 to $30,000 uh, consulting contracts to get those bigger contracts because I have that social proof as a part of my resume now. So if I can do this apprenticeship for free and lock in opportunities later, it's totally worth it for me. I think the people that say that have a limited mindset and two, they probably don't understand how to leverage opportunities. I would say most people don't understand how to leverage opportunities. And so um, if it has to make sense for you, though, it can't just be, you know, you're an editor at Jerry's blog. Well, how is Jerry's blog going to help you? How is it going to help your business? Um, is Jerry's blog a name that you can leverage? If it's not, then that's a waste of your time. But if it's something like editing at the Goodman Project, that's invaluable. That's invaluable experience that you're not going to get paid for, but it's going to be invaluable for you in your lifestyle business. For sure. And people who are interested in writing, uh, you know, for, you know, big blogs or or large websites, um, there's three ways you can go about it to have success with it. And the first way, which is probably the easiest way I don't recommend, is you can you can 
I guess, apply to a portal. You know, if you apply to the Huffington Post portal, uh, it could take months, and they get thousands and thousands of submissions every day. And, I mean, who knows? You, you may get in, you may get not. Uh, second, uh, which is one of my favorite ones, uh, is you can uh, – but this takes for you – you have to write for a bit to get to this point. But uh, once you get a viral article and once you find a publication that's a good fit, you take the viral article, you said, hey, it's did good here. I think it could work here. And oftentimes that can get you in there. I've had success with that uh, strategy. The third way is the Kamanzi strategy. And unfortunately, I am not going to tell you that because I would recommend that you check out his uh, blog. And he has a great <laughs> video. Oh, that's a nice teaser. <laughs> <laughs> and he has a great video. Uh, it's about an hour long, and it goes in depth about that. Um, so I would definitely, I call that the Kamanzi way because I've never seen that prior to to Kamanzi um, talking about it uh, himself. Also very effective too. So there's three ways you can go about it, but I would, I, I definitely wouldn't recommend the first way. But as we move on, uh, let's talk about. The other side of lifestyle, you know, entrepreneurship, because besides writing, uh, you know, that, that that is one part. But you also have the other side when it comes to uh, coaching or speaking slash consulting. Um, what would be some uh, what would be some entry points or some suggestions that you can offer to help people get into that type of business? Yeah, the first thing I would tell you is build up the writing side of things just so you have some social proof. Because if you're gonna get somebody to pay you money to speak or consult, they have to view you as an expert. And I think that word's been used so badly in our industry, like it's a, it's a terrible word, expert, but it's the truth. That's what they're looking for. They're not gonna spend money on somebody who's not an expert. You become an expert when you have the kind of social proof that these opportunities understand. And they probably don't understand Jerry's blog. They probably don't understand or whatever, but they do understand you write for the Huffington Post or something like that. So one, you have to have the kind of social proof that you're looking for. But two, if you're brand new, like you've never spoken, you don't know anything about this, but you want to, the best place for you to start is like your Rotary Clubs and your Chamber of Commerce is where you live. Wherever you live, there's a Rotary Club, there's a Chamber of Commerce. I should say in the United States. I don't know if they, if they have these internationally. Um, I've never looked. But in the United States, Rotary Clubs or Chambers of Commerce, they meet once a month. And these are business owners. These are business owners that are paid to be there, that are that come, you can speak in front of them, you can call the, the chapter president directly and say, hey, I'm Callan, I'm an international best-selling author, speaker, I'd love to come talk to your group about X, Y, and Z. And usually you'll find they're very receptive. You will not get paid for it. But think about this, you're speaking to business owners. So you do have the opportunity to get some business. And two, what I would suggest is you have somebody record you speaking. Because if you're going to book speaking or consulting, the places you are trying to apply to have to see that you can speak. So have somebody record it, have your buddy record it, um, talk to business owners and lock in some business that way. But that's the quickest lateral move to start is Chamber of Commerce and Rotary Clubs. Now, the longer term way to start is just to use like Google or speaker directory websites. There's a lot of speaker directory websites out there to find speaking events and then pitch them. You find them and you send them your pitch. You find the events that are looking for speakers and say, hey, this is why I would be a good fit for your event. Let's get on the phone and talk about it. Um, I, I always recommend you get on the phone when it comes to speaking or consulting. The deal is never made through email. I, I haven't seen a deal made through email yet, but I, I guess I could be wrong. But it's better to get somebody on the phone to talk to another human 
and say, hey, this is why I'd be a good fit. This is how much it would cost to get me. Is this in your budget? Um, so you can use Google. You can use a speaker directory website, Google speaker directory websites, if you don't know what I'm talking about. They'll pull up and it'll just be a lot of, a list of events all over the world. You find the ones that match your message and you send them your pitch. It sounds simple, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's not because you're going to have to do a lot of pitching um, to get some results. I, in 2012, when I was very unknown and I didn't have a lot of social proof, I pitched 180 events and I ended up booking 36. Wow. So it was a lot of pitches, but 36 events that brought in $22,000 in speaking revenue and I got to travel the world. So it was a lot of legwork, but it paid off in the end. Wow, wow, that's that's quite impressive, and and, and definitely people who are looking for uh, places, uh, you can check out Lanyard, uh, L A N Y R D, or you could check out. Uh, there's another one called Orate, uh, O R A T E. I believe it's Orate.me, and those are some. You know, those are actually a, a, a two. Um, uh, websites where you can find uh, speaking gigs. Most of them, you know, they're not, they're not going to pay speakers, but it's a good start. Uh, but, you know, as Kamati said, if they see your social proof and, and you're the real deal, then uh, perhaps they will be uh, 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 open to uh, paying you some money out of their budget. So definitely uh, recommend that. Uh, so I want to go, I want to kind of shift gears and uh, talk about kind of, uh, you know, what's, you know, kind of take people into uh, you know a day in the life of a lifestyle entrepreneur earlier uh, you talked about kind of your morning routine but kind of talk about you know number number one uh, you know why you wanted to do this and number two some of the great you know besides the speaking besides you know getting making money but kind of more of the personal things of the benefits that you have received from being that lifestyle entrepreneur yeah, um, well, for me, the reason why I wanted to do this was because I realized I could not be an employee anymore. Um, it's Business is not for everybody. Entrepreneurship is not for everybody. I'm not somebody that believes everybody should be an entrepreneur. No, some people need employees. Some mm -hmm. people... Some people need jobs. They need the study paycheck. <laughs> yeah, I, I interviewed Robert Kiyosaki, and that's what he said. He says, I don't understand why everyone is not an entrepreneur. And, um, you know, that, 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 that's not something I wanted to, you know, debate him on the show. But I agree with you. Yeah, everyone, it's not for everyone. It's not for everybody. It takes a, a special kind of person. And um, I wanted to do it because I wanted freedom. More than anything, I wanted freedom. I wanted control of my schedule. I wanted control of where um, I am. Like I wanted, I didn't want to be tied down to any one location. I wanted to get up and travel. I live, <laughs> I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. About three years ago, I moved to Maui, Hawaii. Mm -hmm. I lived in Hawaii for two years. Mm -hmm. Then after that, I went to Panama, and then I ended up moving to Medellin, Colombia from the Panama experience. And I've been living in Medellin, Colombia for the last seven months. Now I'm at the phase where I'm, I'm talking to you from Milwaukee. I packed up, hopped on a flight, and I'm in Milwaukee. And I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to live next. I'm looking at like Vietnam, and I'm looking at Nepal and Bali, and I'm looking at Mexico, and I'm looking at a few different places where I could go live. To have that freedom and to know that I don't have to worry about the money. Want the full episode? You can get it when you become a premium radio subscriber. Go to reachingthefinishline.com forward slash buy to get your subscription today. What do you get? You get things like 
early access to the episodes, commercial-free one-hour episodes, mastermind calls with our guests, freebies from our guests, as well as much more. Go to reachingthefinishline.com forward slash buy to get your premium subscription for it's another way for you to start reaching your finish line. Because my business is continuing to make money. This is what I wanted. This is what I worked so hard for is to have true freedom in every area of my life. That's, that's what the motivation was. And so for me, the highlight, having that freedom is a highlight. Being able to pack up and go is a highlight. Being able to feel comfortable and not stress about money is a highlight. It's a highlight of, of what I do. Um, helping people is probably the biggest benefit of what I do is being able to help people. There's clients that I started working with. Um, I told you about the guy that does real estate, right? When we started out, he had a, a website called Recycled Go-Getter. Recycled Go-Getter. That's what the name was. <laughs> yeah, we, and we laugh about this all the time. Dude, here. Now he's got a website called Alpha Home Flipping. And he has a business that does $30,000 every month. And working with, him of, working with him for a year, we got him to that point. He, was, he hadn't made a single dollar in eight months doing this. And now he's at the point where he's making 30000 a month. That, to me, is like one of the rewards of doing this. Or that reward when somebody, not even the $30,000 a month, because some people can't even fathom that kind of money. Right now, some people are like, I can't even think that far ahead because I can't pay my bills. So here's, here's a better reward. The person that makes their first few dollars online, right? The person that's been doing this for a year and hasn't made a single dollar. But then they sell a $500 service or they sell a $500 product or they sell a $200 product or whatever it is. They make that first initial sale and it feels like a million dollars to them. And they, they send me an email or they call me crying saying, I made some money. You know, like that to me is, is a beautiful thing to see somebody get it, to see somebody get it and then to see them get the result. That is why I do what I do. Indeed. And. And you brought up a good point about people maybe they can't kind of see themselves at the at the thirty thousand dollar point, you know, making that a month. You know, there's something I talk about. You know, you know, you check it out on my website and interviews and the book as well. Uh, it's called the three M metric. You know, you have to create. Uh, you, you have to. You have to. You have to set yourself up to win instead of setting goals on a pass or fail model. Most people say, you know, hey, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars by this year you know it's basically that's a passive freedom out it's either they do it or they don't do it and if they don't do it they're hard on themselves they're depressed they're mad you know it may deflate their uh, confidence but i always say why not set goals and where it sets yourself up to succeed so the three m metric is parallel goals and where you have uh, three m's m for minimum m for moderate m for maximum and basically your minimum goal your moderate goal and your maximum goal you know, obviously, uh, your minimum is, you know, what, what you absolutely believe you can achieve. Your moderate is something that's realistic. And your maximum is if you if, if you achieve that, that, that goal, it will blow your mind away. And when you set those three types of parallel goals, all you have to do is meet one metric to be successful. So basically, you're setting yourself up to succeed because you're giving yourself a range as, a, as opposed to a point. So, uh, you, know, if, uh, you, know, you know, again, I'm quite sure many of you are familiar with that, but if this is your first time tuning in, I definitely recommend, you know, setting those type of goals. So that way you can have more success. So that's kind of what you're talking about. You know, maybe $30,000 a month, maybe you don't believe that's achievable. You know, but uh, if you can, if you can say, well, hey, my minimum goal is, you know, a thousand, 
You know, my, my moderate goal is 2,000. My maximum goal is 4,000. So again, all you have to do is meet one of those goals. And if you do, then that makes you successful in achieving your goals. So, uh, you know, that's, that's, that, that's, that's one of the ways that I've had success with my goals, Kamanzian. Because uh, uh, personally, uh, I'm quite sure a lot of people are like this. When they fail, you, you're hard on yourself. You beat yourself up. You know, you, you know sometimes, you know, sometimes you, you lose motivation. So um, I, I, think, I, I, think, uh, I think that's a way to help people. As we come to a close, uh, Kamanzi, uh, and I think this is a, the final question and um, that people may be wondering, and that is pricing. You know, how can I price effectively? Because there's a paradox and where, you know, if you, if you price too low, people think maybe your offerings are crap or they're low quality. But if you price too high, then uh, obviously it can... Uh, dissuade uh, your audience from buying from you because you're not in tune with the uh, financial demographics of your audience. What would you say, Kamanzi, or perhaps some tips you could offer are effective ways for pricing your products and services? Well, I would say for the person listening to this who does have pricing, that your prices are too low. I don't even know you. I don't know what you do, but I can tell you your prices are too low. <laughs> I can tell you that right now without even having met you because that's our natural inclination, right? We think we have to be lower to get the sale. But the problem is this. When you are pricing yourself lower, you're attracting a certain type of person. And I'm not stereotyping and I'm not generalizing, but it does attract a certain type of person. That person is going to be more difficult to work with. It's going to be a more difficult person to work with. Um, you can't. You, you talked about pricing too high. You do need to price higher. The the difference is is the audience that you go after, right? You're not going after the the audience that's only going to pay a certain price. You want to find the people that are willing to pay a little bit more. But more than that, you want to find the people that understand the value that you provide. Mm-hmm. You're providing value. You're looking to attract that type of audience. So what does that mean? It means that maybe you need to go on a different podcast. Maybe you need to go on, write for different types of publications. Maybe you need to write for different blogs. You need to get your exposure in a different way than you have been so that you can attract the people that will, that will pay a little bit more money. Because the people that will pay more money are not the kind of people, they're the kind of people that would be turned off when they see a very low price. They see a low price, they're going to think, oh, this person doesn't value themselves. They're not going to spend money with you. So have, have a range. Your lowest price should not be so low that it looks cheap. Um, it should be higher. Uh, somebody told me, and I don't know if this is true, somebody told me way back even when I had my bread business, you always as an entrepreneur, you always want to be making at least $200 an hour. I'm sorry, $250 an hour, $250 an hour. Why? Because even if you take in $250 an hour, you're not getting all $250. If you live in the United States, guess what? You're paying Uncle Sam part of that money. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so you're not getting all 250 so you have to be at at least 250 to cover taxes and anything else. So you always, as an entrepreneur, you always want to be at least, at least 250 an hour. And it's, that's going to sound crazy to some people. They're going to think, who's going to pay me 250? Um, that's for you to figure out, right? Yeah. Don't, don't ask who's going to do it. Don't ask any questions. Go out there and figure out how do I get the person that's going to pay me 250? Where's that person at? That's what you need. That's how you become a successful entrepreneur. It's not sitting here asking us questions. It's going out there and figuring it out for yourself. 
So whatever your lowest price is, is probably too low. You need to raise it. Make sure you're making at least 250 and then have a higher tier package, have a $10,000 package. What $10,000? Who's going to pay that? I don't know. That's for you to figure out, but there is that person that's willing to pay $10,000. And here's, here's another a little psychological hack. If somebody comes to your website and they see uh, you offer a $250 service and a $10,000 service, when they see the $10,000 service, guess what? $250 is going to sound very reasonable to them. They charge $10,000 for their highest thing, I'll pay $250, no problem. It's a psychological thing, right? So your $250 is going to look cheap when they see $10,000. So have a range. Have a range of... This is my lowest price. This is my highest price, and you're going to be paying for this highest price. But I'm not. I'm not cheap. I'm going to give you the value. I'm going to make sure you get your money's worth. And then it's a matter of figuring out where do I find those people that are going to pay the 250. Yeah. Just ask yourself. You know, wherever you're sitting at right now, where would you like to see yourself in a year? You know, is that maybe living? Uh, on the Yucatan Peninsula of Mexico, or is that living in Thailand, or is that living um, in London? What is that for you? Because that's where it starts. You know, it's, it's basically like you know, knowing what your end is and working backwards. What do I have to do to get there? And uh, there, I wholeheartedly believe uh, you can reach the finish line. And I'm, and I'm always happy to bring people. Like uh, pe- people like I have on a show, uh, like Kamanzi. Kamanzi, thank you for being our guest. Thank you for listening. Just another great episode by Callan Diggs. If you haven't already, purchase the book Reaching the Finish Line at reachingthefinishline.com. Now is time for you to start reaching your finish line so what are you waiting for start 